It's the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on 710 WOR. All right, back here in the Sports Zone for our third hour. Again, 800-321-0710, the number to get involved. Uh, But uh, this past weekend, I mean, it's not a glorious sports weekend by any way, shape, or form at this time of year. You have a little baseball to get ready. I mean, sumo of NFL free agency to get excited about. It's like the NFL combine is the big thing in sports this weekend. But there's always, there's always something to, to find a way to get excited about and, and get, uh, you know, get your sports groove on. So let's, uh, play a little, what was good? Over the course of this weekend, and what was good? I'll, I'll give you something from the NFL Combine that was awesome to see. Uh, Central Florida's Shaquem Griffin, and you might have heard of him. He's he's a player. He plays with one hand. Uh, he you know was born with a congenital defect in his hand. Uh, apparently, he tried himself to cut off his fingers with a, a knife when he was four years old because they were very painful for him. And the next day, he had the hand amputated. So he plays defensive line with one hand, which you know, if you're a Giants fan, you know, is uh, very much in the realm of possibility. But as part of Central Florida's undefeated season, they're "Quote unquote national championship uh, campaign is still you know had the the fake parade and all that stuff this year, but this guy Griffin has become a star. He's become in, in the public eye, and you know the combine provides a, a different kind of challenge. Namely, one being you got to be able to bench press two hundred and twenty five pounds, and you can't really do that with one hand. Uh, apparently, he couldn't even bench press the bar." When he was late high school getting ready for college, the bar weighs 45 pounds, and that was beyond what he could do. Uh, but they gave him a, a prosthetic so that he could grip the bar, and he basically locks in to the bar uh, and you know has his, his other free hand you know, just fine and is able to basically bench press like everybody else. His record for most reps at 225 pounds was 11. And everyone's rooting for him, his fellow prospects, uh, you know, and, and the whole room basically is pulling for him. And with that adrenaline, he ended up lifting this bar 20 times. His previous record was 11. Like, you, the NFL Combine, come on, there's no like good moment, like movie moment that could happen at the NFL Combine. Like somebody runs a great shuttle drill, who cares? But this was cool, and this was a, a legit moment that was there. Uh, he killed it on the 40. He ran a 4.38 40-yard dash. That's the fastest time for a defensive lineman since the league started keeping track in 2003. So, uh, you know, a big... Big weekend for Shaquem Griffin and and cool story. That was good. That was that was fun to see this weekend, Ray. That was good. I got a good one from the weekend. It's actually two of them. Uh, now it hasn't been the greatest college basketball year in the area. Now Rutgers had a nice little run, but their season unfortunately was over. great. I loved watching yeah, it was those great. Rutgers game. I, I was I was into it. Corey Sanders, man, he yeah. took over some of those games, especially the one. Was it Friday night, Thursday night, and uh, he's just driving to the to the bucket, Duncan. He was phenomenal. It's a great story. Pikel's really got them going good going forward. But you know, St. John's probably needs their win. Obviously, win out to get in the tournament. But mm-hmm. we've got two New York City teams that are going to be in the tournament. One of them guaranteed in the Northeast Conference. Wagner with a big win on Saturday. 
LIU with a last-second win. They're going to play for the Northeast Conference title tomorrow night with a chance to go to the big dance. So if you like college basketball, it doesn't happen actually very often where a league title for a chance to go to the big dance includes two New York City schools on their own. So it was a big weekend for New York City college basketball. No, it's nice. I know you have a lot of familiarity with LIU. I used to call their games, exactly. Yeah. Now, it's fascinating to me, because you can, in the mid-major and below that, you can stink all year. You really don't play a meaningful game right. until it's March. You go undefeated, you could stink. The only difference is what your seeding is for your conference tournament. That's your only ticket to get in. Was LIU decent this year? LIU finished run? fourth in the okay. in the tournament, but uh, you know, 500 record overall, but finished fourth in the conference. Uh, lucked out where there were two upsets, so they got two home games ah. in the conference tournament, and now they'll go up to Wagner. Wagner has not lost at home this year, uh, but they, they beat Wagner in uh, in Brooklyn. They lost to Wagner up on Staten Island, and uh, on tomorrow night, it's going to be a great atmosphere. They, the building, I think, only holds about 1,800 to, to, to 2,200, somewhere in that. I've been there for, for playoff games. It's great, and uh, it's a great atmosphere, and that's always been a fun tournament. Uh, every year, it's always a good game, usually in, in the Northeast Conference. You go back to yeah. about 25 years ago when Ryder and Wagner played. They had a crazy last-second bucket, and that really launched Championship Week back in the early 90s. Was Stony Brook NEC? Stony Brook was the America East back then. Well, or more recently. Still America East, yes. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, no way they played some great championship they games have as when well. Michael was there. Yeah, yeah. so uh, it, those small, it's nice to see the small colleges do well. But again, New York City basketball, if you're a fan of New York City basketball, yeah. uh, it doesn't get any better than that. And a chance to go to the big dance. Yeah, and Fairfield, Iona will tangle in the MAC. So uh, one of those two teams will find their way into the tournament. That's sitting there as well. Hofstra got knocked out. That's my... My school, so that was a, a bummer. UNC Wilmington, as always, uh, knocked out of the CAA tournament. I, they haven't, I didn't they haven't been the back time. since Jay Wright's been there, right? Have they been back to the tournament no, since not Wright? not the NCAA tournament. The closest they came was actually my senior year in 2006, where they were in the running for an at-large against George Mason, That's who was also right, in their they conference. Got, they, got, they got snubbed. Yeah, yep. and that was the year George Mason went to the Final Four. Uh, and George Mason, it's a game I called. This is like the craziest thing I ever saw happen on a court, a field, like where I was there. Uh, there was, you know, time was running out like under 10 seconds, and all of a sudden the star player for Hofstra goes down in a heap, Lauren Stokes. And Tony Skin, who is like the senior point guard for George Mason, uh, we find out afterwards that might have given him a cheap shot, but there's no evidence. There's no camera angle of it that could show what happened. And then finally, like four hours later, a local news reporter for Wilmington was, you know, just getting some shots for the next day's news story and was following Stokes up the floor and he got the shot of Tony Skin just Stokes just running up the court without the ball, and Skin just goes over there and punches him as hard as he can in the uh, that is crazy. the nether regions. And and Skin was suspended one game in the NCAA tournament, but you know Stokes was compromised the next night in the championship game, and then Hofstra ended up winning a couple of games uh, in the NIT. But he's like, uh, you know, he's like that front office executive or that the assistant coach, I guess it is in the NFL. Now it hit himself in that area repeatedly for the right to draft Saquon Barkley. That's that's been going around today. That's great. Saquon Barkley really won some people over this weekend, apparently, especially one assistant coach. That's like a Rex Ryan line. Oh, I'd do anything for this kid. And then specifically, the guy said, punch himself in the you-know-where.
Repeatedly. <laughs> to draft this guy. I don't need I don't need a running back that bad. That's, that's a guy who wants to win. That's a coach that will do what it takes. It's a running back. <laughs> Mark quarterback, you know what I might I might do it for quarterback? Running back? No. Yeah. Mark Wayne, I'm always good this weekend. Well, Pete, I finally figured out which team in all of sports that I hate the most. And it's not the Phillies, it's not the Yankees, not the Eagles, not the Cowboys. It's the UNCW Seahawks. They did it again. Ugh. Yeah. I did scoop I mean, you, huh? You did scoop me. You completely did that to no, me. Okay, I didn't know. But, I mean, I, you came the closest to the NCAA tournament. I came second closest my senior year in 15-16 when they lost to UNCW in the championship game in overtime when they also blew a 12-point lead. Yeah. And they did that again yesterday. Yeah, that one's rough. I watched that one here a few years ago. My year, Hofstra was down 23 to Wilmington, cut it to three with like three minutes left, turned the ball over, and then uh, it was iced at the line after that. But, yes, uh, some Hofstra war stories for you, I, I guess, there. And, and otherwise this weekend, how about the, you know, the Oscars last night? Kobe Bryant is winning in... Oscar uh, for you know, his animated film, Dear Basketball. And he said he was going to leave the NBA and write and wanted to do things creatively. And within a couple of years, he's winning an Oscar. I mean, that's I, I haven't seen it. Have you guys seen the Dear Basketball? I, I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know how how good it is. Or, or really, I have nowhere to, to compare it. But it, it is kind of interesting. Like, hey, the guy's as big a star in L.A. as there's been over the last 15 years. And... You know, he's winning the award that's voted on a little bit there. Think, yeah, but he's, he's always been some Laker one of fans those. who wanted to get Kobe a little Oscar there. He always just seemed to be that real cerebral kind of guy. You know, he, he, he you know his parents were international. He always yeah. traveled, so he always seemed to be kind of like that. That I don't know, Renaissance man, if you could say. Well, know? he wrote that poem when he retired. Right, right. And uh, that that Mamba one, out. Well, not Mamba. Well, was that how it ended? Yes, I think so. I, I don't I think everything pretty thing. much ended that. But I remember it was like a nice, you know, poem. Like it, it was pretty good, and and uh, now, um, you know, has this moment at the Oscars. It was it was a little awkward. You have all the Me Too stuff going on, and then you know, Kobe's that. You know, that's kind of the that was kind of the the you know the the eight hundred pound in yeah. the room. It was kind of like wait a minute here. Well, I kind of. Well, we kind of glossed over that and gave him the award. Yep, but uh, you know, Kobe made made that happen. Uh, I guess uh, I guess this weekend. So even though it wasn't like a crazy sports weekend with a ton going on, there were a lot of uh, you know little little fun things over the course of this weekend, except for Hofstra. And uh, sorry, Mark. Um, <laughs> we will have Ralph Vacchiano, SNY, with us, and he'll tell us more about. Uh, Shaquem Griffin's performance at the combine, how Saquon Barkley has, you know, woken people up and what, you know, the Jets could be doing here with Kirk Cousins and what their chances might be to try to uh, lure him to New York. So Ralph Vacchiano at 835. We could take some calls. 800-321-0710. It's the Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on The Voice of New York, 710 WOR. It's the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on 710 WOR. He's going to need you when he needs you. So your job to be is to be ready and to be and whenever you go out there, do the job. You know, if you sit there worried about oh, but I was pitching here, why am I not throwing here? That's 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 attention away from from what needs, what what is uh, you're trying to do is which is your job. You know, so I don't think anybody in the pen is thinking about that. I think we're just sitting out there, we're, we're getting ready to to pitch whenever.
That's Mets reliever A.J. Ramos, as heard earlier here in the Sports Zone. If you missed him, uh, check it out on our website, 710WOR.com. Talked a bit about Giancarlo Stanton, his old Miami teammate as well. and uh, He thinks uh, he'll transition to New York, and they're you know looking to get a place together in New York. And uh, they can split that time. The Mets, Yankees, rarely home at the same time, so that could work out pretty well for those guys. But uh, yeah, as far as that, that bullpen attitude goes, and that's what Ramos was talking about, Mickey Callaway, the new Mets manager, doesn't want to you know pigeonhole roles on guys that you're not just going to be the closer and that's it. You only pitch in the ninth inning if there's you know a spot where say Jarrett's Familia is needed in the seventh or the eighth. He better be ready. And uh, I'm sure you know Callaway will communicate. Hey, this is something that might come up. Be prepared for it. Uh, but Ramos, you know, say that it's not a not even about that. That these guys just have to be ready all the time. And yeah, you know, I always find it interesting with relievers in terms of how they're used, they all are, to some degree, creatures of habit. They have a routine. You know, every game, when it becomes the the sixth inning, all right, time to start loosening up the legs, do this or that, get ready to potentially pitch. They know what's going on in the game. They know if the team's up 10, down 10, up one, down one, and what their usage might be there. But we see so often that, Pitchers who are used in a situation that's not what they're accustomed to. Uh, most famously, when a starter is entered into, or excuse me, when a closer is entered into a tie game late, often you see guys a tough time getting up for it and being as effective as he would be otherwise. And they'll tell you after the game, you know, hey, I, I'm used to closing. I didn't have the same adrenaline if they're being honest about something. And, you know, it's one thing to say, hey, that can't happen, but to actually work towards not allowing it to, I think that's going to be one of the, the interesting things to watch as far as this pen is concerned because you know, there is a, a rhythm to the games. Guys do get used to, hey, this is going to be the spot that I'm going to have to enter. This is the guy that I'm going to have to be able to to take out and you know get out of the game. And, and for a lefty specialist like a, a Jerry Blevins, maybe against – you know, the Nationals, you know, hey, the Bryce Harper at bat is coming. Seventh inning, eighth inning, could be the ninth inning. I got to be ready for that. But for someone like A.J. Ramos, it's usually not one guy that he's going to be called upon to, to go get out. And he's going to, you know, have an inning in, in other situations. And with the Mets, I'll be curious to see how that plays out. Now, you know, the advantage for the Mets is they have a former pitching coach as a manager in. Mickey Calloway, so yeah, he should understand as well as anybody, you know, what these guys really need to know and, and how they could be ready. But I, I think, you know, it's more than just strategy with what Calloway is doing here. He wants that team first attitude throughout the club. And I think this is kind of the first place where he is going in order to make some guys sacrifice a little bit because they're not necessarily giving much up, right? Jerry's Familia is going to be the closer for this team as long as he has a decent spring training. There might be a spot or two where he's not the guy, but I, I would think that these guys kind of know that inside a little bit, but you know, this is to get everybody else on board. Hey, I'm a position player. I want to play every day at my position. Well, I'm seeing these, you know, bullpen arms sacrifice a little bit and, and, you know, do this or that, pitch out of their normal situations and being willing to do that. And, you know, you, you kind of open things up a little bit. So I think it's as much a cultural thing that Mickey is trying to establish as much as it is 
strategy uh, for this Mets team. Uh, 800-321-0710. Mac in Jersey. How we doing, Mac? How you doing there? I'm good. What's uh, up? About, about Familia, he actually has the highest save percentage in the history of the whole Mets franchise. Doesn't surprise me. Not, yeah, not by much. Benitez right behind him, Wagner. But if you don't have a Familia, then you, you look at committees. But you don't want to mess around. Uh, you don't have a familiar every every day. These guys don't grow on trees. He well, familiar's got to show he could bounce back, and he looked much better in September, so I think he will. But he still has a, a little bit of a prove it here because he didn't pitch particularly well last season. But I, I think Familia is going to be the closer for this team. I don't think it's going to be all that abnormal uh, as to what his role was in the past. I, I, like I said, I think Callaway just wants these guys to to think about that and you know to have that built into the fabric of the team a bit. I want to say something about Harvey's day real quick. I really liked in three innings, six ground ball outs. Yeah. Only one fly ball out. If he can do this, then that means that in the in the middle innings he won't tire out the way he normally does. Well, he, he did throw a lot of pitches in that second inning. Right, he forty eight pitches in, in three innings is not bad. No, but but the idea is I want to see him blow people away in the middle innings, not the first three innings. That's been his problem. Well, 95-96, it's not going to blow guys away anymore, and I think that's what you see from Harvey. He's got to learn to pitch. He's got to pitch to ground balls. He's got to you know pitch to contact a little bit, and you know this is how he's going to have some success. This is the new world for Matt Harvey and, and what he needs to adjust to. If he can locate, you can get a lot of strikeouts in 95-96. You can. It won't be what it was, but... You can, yeah. He could be an effective pitcher at 95-96. He's not going to be what he was a couple of years ago. The slider is not what it was a few years ago, and certainly not pre-Tommy John. He threw some decent ones today, but not with the kind of bite that we've seen in the past. That stuff isn't there. He has to learn to pitch. He's not going to get by with just pure stuff. He learned that last year. He needs to be humbled enough to take those lessons and bring them out on the mound, and I'm not sure how humble he's necessarily been. I'd love to you know, hear him be willing to talk about last year a little bit and you know, what went wrong and you know, confront it and end it. Once you talk about it, it's over. No one asks about it again. And for you know, Harvey, he hasn't done that. He just doesn't want to acknowledge that last year happened. So that's uh, part of what you know, Harvey is dealing with here. But I, I do think from a... You know, confidence standpoint, um, you know, today was important for him to have three scoreless, to get that done. Listen, against it's, a, it's against a Tigers lineup, and they're one of the worst teams in baseball are expected to be this year. They were traveling. They brought Miguel Cabrera and Victor Martinez, the big names that were there. Uh, it is It wasn't a real tough spot for Harvey, but three scoreless is three scoreless, and that's the kind of thing that he needs to feel good about uh, in these uh, these days. Uh, the NFL Combine was this past weekend. you got NFL Free Agency next weekend. Uh, what kind of play can the Jets make for Kirk Cousins? How might that shake out? What would be plan B for the Jets? Uh, Todd Bowles says they have an A, B, C, and D. Uh, we'll talk about it all and, and what the Giants will be up to with Ralph Facchiano, SNY, who's at the Combine this weekend. When we come back, Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on The Voice of New York, 710 WO. We're back in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. 
right, back here in the Sports Zone and busy NFL weekend with the NFL Combine. Even the, the commissioner, Roger Goodell, ran the 40. Did a little over uh, five and a half seconds. It's not bad. I don't remember what I did it a couple of years ago. I, I ran it against Baboots. That was probably slower, though. My first step. Not anything to write home about. And then I, I hit a cruising pace, and then I'm okay. But that doesn't help much with a 40-yard dash. Anyway, uh, you know, some fun this weekend. You know, one of the guys who really benefited, uh, it seems, from the combine. There's always, you know, a combine hero or two or a guy whose stock, uh, you know, raised up. Oftentimes, you have to be careful of that guy. Uh, but Saquon Barkley of Penn State is one of those players that. Uh, he just dropped everyone's jaw with what he was able to do from the bench press to the 40-yard dash. Uh, and, you know, the athleticism is terrific. And this is a guy who's not just a workout warrior. He actually has a tape where he looks like an NFL running back. And he was, you know, one of the contenders for the Heisman, and deservedly so, this past year. And might be a real special running back. And it's great when... Uh, you're able to, you know, hype yourself up a little bit, get an NFL assistant to say, I would punch myself in the nuts many, many times to be able to draft him. <laughs> this is what uh, the impact that Barkley had uh, this week at the NFL Combine. And what's working against him, I, I think everyone says that's probably the safest pick in the draft. But what's working against him is he is a running back. And we just haven't seen running backs go that high in the draft uh, very often over the years. There are some exceptions recently with Todd Gurley, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, and and more uh, that you know have been able to turn some teams around, Leonard Fournette being the third I was looking for, and, and all those teams have made the playoffs in recent years with those running backs acting as bell cows. The issue is, you know, running backs, you just don't have a long shelf life. If you could grab that quarterback, if you can grab that left tackle, and they end up being terrific players... They could be your guy for 10 to 15 years. Uh, you know, grabbing a, a great center, usually it's a little later, but you grab some of those positions and you guys are going to last. With the running back, you get an immediate impact right off the bat. But then within a few years, you don't know what you're going to have. These guys wear down, they get hurt, they have that first knee injury. Will they be the same after that? A lot of them do come back, but then they're always that one hit away. And there's no shying from contact at that position. So that's you know part of what all these teams have to balance. But Barkley, I don't think there's any doubt, he's going to come into the league and be an impact performer uh, when he does get his opportunity. And he'll do it from day one. Uh, and, and it's why I'm sure for the Giants it's tempting. Uh, the Giants on paper shouldn't be terrible this year. They still have some talent. They thought they were a Super Bowl contender this past season. Everything went to hell in a handbasket. And, you know, they can hope they could bounce back. You add Saquon Barkley, you make some s- strong signings on the offensive line. Is that enough for them to be a competitor? Maybe they could squeak into the playoffs. But I, I still feel if you have an opportunity to get a franchise quarterback and you have a need, and the Giants, they have a need, even if it's not tomorrow. It is within the next year or two. They have a need at that position. If you have a chance to take a, a franchise quarterback, I do it. I do it absolutely every time. No matter what kind of guarantee you might be able to hand, hang on Saquon Barkley, that you know he could be a Hall of Famer and he could be this and he could be that. There's just a lot of risk at that position, and there is upside, but it's not as high as a franchise quarterback. It's not, it's not close to that on a year-to-year basis or... 
when you're looking, you know, down the line, uh, ten years in the future. Uh, but you know, Barkley certainly helped himself out uh, a little bit, uh, you know, this past weekend, and you know, had the hype train behind him. Uh, Baker Mayfield, he, he's always—I love his personality. I really do. I, I like his attitude. You know, he will go in and say, "I'm the best quarterback in this draft." He won't apologize for it. He's going to jump in as has no problem saying something that might be a little bit controversial, and and he'll try to back it up. And I. I like that. I like seeing that. Even the thing is with Mayfield is I feel like everyone fell in love with him based on the first quarter of that Rose Bowl game and you know never looked at the second half when suddenly Oklahoma couldn't move the ball and Georgia's stuffing them and this is when Oklahoma's playing from ahead. You know, they couldn't make the big throw to to ice that game and end up losing it late. Uh, he doesn't, you know, have a, a big time arm, though he is very accurate. It's why, to me, he is, you know, the fourth of all these guys. I just, I don't, I don't see the tools. I don't see the size. Your durability is something you might have to worry about. But you know, he's again that kind of guy that could come in and be more of an impact right off the bat than Sam Darnold. I'd say that much. If you're starting someone day one, Darnold makes more sense. But um, if you're, you know, looking to the future, like the Jets are, like the Giants should be. Darnold's the guy with the upside. And Josh Allen probably has a lot of upside as well, certainly more than Baker Mayfield. If you're Denver and you're trying to win now while this defense still has another year or two in it, maybe you do look at things a little differently and like the skill set of Baker Mayfield that much more. But I don't I don't love him as a Jet in any way, shape, or form. And if I did, it would make you feel a little better about Kirk Cousins, where, all right, Cousins goes to the Vikings, that's okay, we'll be able to sort out who we need in order to you know make make the right pick happen and fill the position um but you know if you only like three there is that scenario where you could absolutely miss out on any uh, of the you know real top quarterbacks any of the potential franchise quarterbacks at least in my book and end up in a spot where you're settling with Josh McCown and uh, you are, you know, in a uh, in a rough situation as far as that goes. 800-321-0710, The number to get involved again. Eight hundred three two one zero seven ten. Uh, we'll take a quick break and uh, you know get more into you know how the Jets can really sell Kirk Cousins, how uh, they might be able to to pull that off. It's the Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on the Voice of New York seven ten W O R. We're back in the W O R Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. There was a time not that long ago that the Jets, for a very small window, became the team that veterans were going to to try to to pick up that last chance at a championship, right? Uh, That hard knocks year in 2010, before the 2010 season, the Jets had gone to the AFC Championship game with Mark Sanchez the year before, and they go out, they sign Jason Taylor, they signed LaDainian Tomlinson. The Jets were a place where players wanted to go. And the Jets could sell, obviously, Rex Ryan. They could sell the kind of season that they had a year prior. But they also you know, would sell what they had there at Florham Park and how the facilities were going to be top-notch and, and were top-notch. And uh, that, you know, something that players did respond to. And they got to take, you know, it's, uh, spend so much time. They're getting ready for the season and, and practicing during the year. I, I'd be curious, you know, for the Jets now, you're almost 10 years later. What would be the big selling point 
for the Jets. They still have a beautiful facility. Uh, it's not, you know, it's still modern. Uh, it doesn't get old that quickly. But I wonder if it would wow someone like Kirk Cousins the way that, say, the stadium in Minnesota might wow somebody. That's a beautiful stadium. Just hosted the Super Bowl this past year. And you don't have to play outside, which might be a plus, though. You know, Cousins played his college football games in Michigan State, so might not be the number one. But I'd be curious, you know, what jet would you put front and center to meet Kirk Cousins? Let's say Kirk Cousins goes to Florham Park, wants to meet with the Jets. Is there a player you want him to get the opportunity to meet and to talk to and to learn about the Jets from peer to peer? I mean, it's probably Jamal Adams, really. And, you know, this is a guy who was top pick last year. It'll be his second year in the league this season. But he's not an offensive player that really fits that bill. Right below Powell's been there for a while, but he's not really the star power that you're going to represent everything with him. And I think his future is uncertain as well. There's not, you know, another guy on offense that you could really put out there. And I just I think it's a, a tough spot for the Jets here, where they have to dangerously overpay to land Cousins. And a lot of the reports are now that, you know, Cousins isn't going to go for the last dollar. He's going to go where he thinks he can win. That's a tough sell if I'm the Jets. The Vikings have one of the top defensive coaches in the NFL. They were in the NFC Championship game this past year. They They lost... Uh, you know, they, they won a game against the Saints in a wacky way with the Hail Mary. But that's a good team. And they earned, you know, that second seed in the NFC. Uh, they did it with a backup quarterback, a Case Keenum, who had a great year. And, you know, Pat Shermer leaves, but maybe you feel there's still a system in place there where you could go in and have success right off the bat. And you don't have to learn the playbook for two or three years to figure it out. You certainly have the talent around them. I mean, if you compare the Vikings to the Jets, what is the advantage that the Jets have other than the fact they would just overpay and throw the sun and the moon and every dollar they can find at Kirk Cousins? Even Denver, I'm surprised that you know they're being written off right now. Now, they have to actively clear space. That defense is getting older. Maybe you could look at them talent-wise and say... Their best years are behind them. That defense is never going to be what it was for Peyton Manning. And you're going to get the rebuild of that defense if you sign on as the quarterback there while the Jets have at least begun that process over the last couple of seasons. I have a hard time. You know What would be that sales pitch for, for the Jets? It, it doesn't sound like New York City is going to hold that much acclaim. You want to talk about, hey, the Jets, you win a Super Bowl with the Jets, you're a legend forever. Well, that's true in Minnesota, too. Not to the same degree in terms of number of people it's going to impact, but you're not going to meet everybody. He'll have every drink covered for life in Minnesota if he wins a Super Bowl there. He'll have every filet mignon covered in Minnesota if he wins a Super Bowl there. You might have the same with the Jets, but this isn't a one-team town. You know, Some bars you get your beer and some bars uh, you're not. So I I just I have a hard time seeing how the Jets win this. And I, I think it's dangerous as much as I don't think Cousins is a $30 million a year against the salary cap kind of quarterback. I think it's tough to build a true contender, a Super Bowl contender, if you're paying that much for a quarterback that's not at that Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger, Tom Brady kind of level. Well, if they don't, if the Jets don't get him, you know, they can miss out the fact that he's going to Minnesota. It's not one of those quarterback needy teams that's drafting in front of them uh, this year, uh, you know, come May. 
800-321-0710. Al in Staten Island. What's up, Al? Hey, Pete. How are you tonight? I'm good. What's going on? Hey, real quick. You stole my thunder. I was coming, you know, trying to speak to you. You did a great job of stealing the thunder. You know, I'm not, I don't know how you honestly really feel. I know you're a diehard Jet fan like me, but I am not that all enamored with, uh, with Cousins. I mean, if you look at the Jets, the amount of cap space that they have, I mean, they have so many other voids that they need to fill. Mm -hmm. I know the NFL is a quarterback-driven league, just like in the NBA. It is a guard-driven league. But for crying out loud, you know, I mean, I would maybe want to bite at Cousins if it isn't that that crazy $30 plus price tag if I had all the pieces. I mean, they're in a pretty decent draft position. I really I really have a lot of faith in, in, in uh, Josh Allen. I mean, any of the quarterbacks, but I would love to see a horse like Josh Allen. I'd be more excited me. for the young quarterback. I really would. If the Jets somehow yeah. landed Sam Darnold, I'd get my tickets back. I, yeah. I'd be back in all the way to that degree where I'd trek out to you know MetLife Stadium eight times a year, ten times a year. Right. I, w- I would do that. that. That's how excited I would be for someone like Darnold Cousins. In my opinion, he doesn't make them a Super Bowl contender, even if you look down right. the line. He makes them a playoff contender. He makes them what Chad Pennington made the Jets a decade ago. Wouldn't you rather have some other positions? I mean, how often do teams in New York have this much cap space to work with? I really have faith in McCagney, and I hope you do too. And I really think if they really just think things out instead of just trying for a quick fix, I would rather – suffer a couple more years, if you will, and then have some long, good time, longevity run instead of trying to put all the eggs in one basket. No, I, I, I build it right. I, I think that's um, you know that's the way you want to see. And and more New York teams around here are doing that now. I, I've never seen so many New York teams that are rebuilding, retooling, right? The Rangers, the Knicks, the Nets have been doing it for a while. Uh, you know, the Yankees to some degree did it, and now they are out of that process. But there, there's a lot of teams that... Fans have given them the patience and the wherewithal to do these kinds of things. The Jets are certainly one of them because everyone knew last year was a sham. They weren't trying to win games. They were, you know, the players could try to win games, but the organization wasn't. They wanted a top pick and get a draft and and build up some young players. Um, You know, now this is the thing. They have $90 million to spend. So you spend 30 mil on Cousins, you could still do some damage in free agency. You could still fill a lot of holes. I just don't think you're filling all of them. And if you build it that way, two years from now, they're not going to be a Super Bowl contender. And it's, it's, that's the way I see it. They are Kirk Cousins makes the Jets a playoff contender year in and year out. He does not make them a Super Bowl contender. And it just depends on what your outlook is. Is improvement enough to excite you? Is, you know, what... Chad Pennington did with his Jets career is that enough that hey I'd be happy with that I'd rather that than watch the team win four games and you know be embarrassing uh you know year in year out it's better but I want to see him win I want to feel like they can win a Super Bowl and at least with the young guy even if you know by October you want to kill the guy and think he stinks right at least you have that hope that maybe you do have the guy there and, and even in October, if you didn't like him, you'd still, all right, maybe he could build through it. Maybe he could figure it out. I, I like that hope. And, and Cousins, to me, takes away that hope that you could build a, a championship contender. And, you know, that's the way that, uh, that I view it. But they just have to be careful here because if, if he goes to Minnesota, man, they could end up with nothing. No quarterback. And that's frightening.
I, I can't do another year like this past year where you can't even get emotionally involved in the games. It's brutal. Uh, 800-321-0710, the number once again. Uh, we had A.J. Ramos, uh, Mets reliever, on earlier in the show. And you know, he's good buddies with John Carlos Stanton. They might be living together this offseason. Uh, they're looking at apartments and such. And uh, Ramos and how he thinks Stanton will, will fit in with the Yankees. I think he's going to do great. Um, he's not the type of person that lets the outside influence influence him. You know, he's not going to worry about too much about what people say and all this and that. He knows he has a plan, and he has he has a way that, that he's going about, and uh, he, he's going to stick to that plan. And um, I think he's a perfect fit for there, and um, I don't think it'll phase him much. And so he thinks he'll be able to handle this fine. Ramos, he knows the jump from Miami to New York, not under the kind of uh, microscope that Stanton will face with the Yankees. But, you know, it's interesting. You know, Stanton's on the back page of the papers today. He had a rough time out in left field the other day. I don't see that being a big problem. I don't think Stanton or Judge are big ego guys where they're going to let that get in the way. One of them's going to be DHing. 90% of the time anyway. Uh, you have the other one out in right field. You can give them a day off. Stanton, you know, he has been injury prone over the years. Last year is the first time in a long time that he'd been healthy for a full season. I, I don't see that as being you know the reckoning that maybe you know some Mets fans, some people might hope it will be. People are looking for you know that negative thing that can happen in spring training. Uh, that's not it. Stanton in left field for the Yankees. I don't think you're going to see much of that over the course of the regular season. Uh, but that'll about do it for the show tonight. Uh, for producer Ray Martell, Mark Wiener, uh, big thanks to A.J. Ramos joining us on the show. If you missed it, 710WOR.com. Hit the Sports Zone page. Thanks to Josh Lewin, Mets broadcaster as well. Uh, I'm Pete McCarthy. Enjoy your evening. We'll be back with you tomorrow at 6.05. Dave Ramsey's next. You're-